Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. Aw man, why do I get stuck on the weak team? We're just gonna lose. Where's the fun in that? Hey Mute, where's your little bear today? He didn't want his precious bear to get wet in the snow. Duh, did mommy give you the bear? What's the problem, new kid? Leave him alone. He's not gonna say anything anyway. He's like a little girl. Hey, that's gender discrimination, and I know some little girls who can kick your butt. Whoa, Ritz, what's the problem? You don't want to be on that team, right? Well, how about we switch? Would that be better? Let's start already. And you should speak up. Tell him your name, at least. You can't be the new kid forever. Sorry, Marsh. You don't have to apologize, Mute. You haven't done anything wrong. Hmm. Okay, me, Leslie, we're ready to go. Then let's get this snowball fight started. Ready? This week, we are diving into Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, and I am joined by guest professor from over at OKBeast, OK Mr. Ian Prichel, video editor for OKBeast OK and host of the A-Plus Anime Podcast. How's it going, Ian? It's going good, man. It's going good. How are you? Hanging in there, just working through my backlog in this crazy quarantine world we live in and uh, playing a lot of RPGs. Hell yeah, hell yeah, man. Speaking of which... I don't know, this is not relevant to the game that we're talking about today, so don't get going to get it twisted, listener. But I am playing Final Fantasy VII for the first time, and good golly, that is a trip. Where are you at in it? I am pretty deep into it. Uh, I don't want to say any story beats that I, I've seen just because of uh, the nature of like the spoileriness of it. True, um, But true. I'm like deep, like 40 or 50 hours in, um, and... Speaking of like this whole thing being about like a class and professors or whatever, I want to I want to get your opinion on something. I want to raise my hand and ask the professor Shoot. something. Um, so as someone who, you know, as much as I love Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, right? This is like pretty much my only real Final Fantasy experience. Um, in a mm-hmm. weird way, like being a Nintendo kid growing up, I really only played the offshoot Final Fantasy games. Um, like never played Final Fantasy 7 before this like I'm streaming it over on my Twitch channel which is uh twitch.tv/enynot um and that's the my first like air quotes mainline Final Fantasy game um like I never played the numbered ones I only played the mm-hmm. ones that came to um to Game Boy Advanced or um the ones that came to GameCube which was uh Crystal Chronicles um great game great but game. both super fun and like I love them to death um but it's it's weird like, imagine only playing, like, um, Pokemon Conquest and, like, the Ranger games or the Mystery Dungeon games and then playing a mainline Pokemon game. Like, they they have the same vernacular, the same characters sometimes, uh, the same Pokemon, obviously, but, like, they're completely different in their construction and goals and themes mm-hmm. and whatever. Um, so, I guess my question to you is um, not actually, like, necessarily the nature of advanced and these offshoots versus seven but everyone who has ever heard about final fantasy seven knows there's a major spoilery element to it that everyone talks about hit them so hard right um and that is the mm-hmm. passing of a main character that is in your party i'm not going to say who it is but there's a main character that passes away in your party right that is like right within the zeitgeist of final fantasy seven that is the um, the most talked about conversation, right? They're like, everyone's like, don't spoil mm-hmm. that. It's a big thing, blah, blah, blah. So now that I'm playing the game, right? I knew that going in, right? Right. Um, and I was ready for it. I was prepped and ready. Um, but then like after that moment, the game just says, yeah, no, that's the least interesting thing about the story. <laughs> and like, as I'm playing the game on stream and like seeing my own reactions to it after the fact, like editing videos of it, I'm like, 
how is this the only cultural takeaway that we have from Final Fantasy VII is this one moment and not like the absolute bonkers stuff after the fact? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, how do you think that even came to be? Is it just like cultural resonance is like that was a very important thing to people and that's what stayed or like like what 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 was it um i would probably have to say it's partly that this final fantasy 7 back when it originally came out it it made it made rpgs very mainstream like this was a very very big deal so mm. so i think for a lot of people final fantasy 7 was perhaps their first foray into the genre oh so I didn't even they think may not that, have huh. the idea of this character who you've been adventuring with and getting to know and everything to suddenly have it happen and you also have to remember just the graphics wise i mean this was still like the idea of 3d video like 3d model video was still mm. fairly new at the time so seeing this really what happened and the reaction of the other characters i think that's why this has become such a standout moment in in the genre period mm. i would say i didn't even think of so, that i didn't even think of that this being like everyone's first rpg right and like we were talking a little bit about um persona before the, the call started um and we talked a lot about diegetic or like in-game things that explain things in the universe of the game and like in final fantasy games specifically there are items that bring your characters back from the dead right or like from being passed mm -hmm. out or whatever so like the idea of you playing an rpg for the first time and you learning the mechanics of it slowly over time becoming attached to these characters and um you know and then having an item that brings people back to life and then having a character die like that like shatters the reality of the situation right or like shatters mm -hmm. the illusion that everyone is safe and that must have been yeah. yeah just a big cultural shift in terms of like people learning about the genre but yeah no that's a great point i never I thought of this being like essentially mario 64 but for rpgs for a lot of people huh oh yeah interesting but we're not so talking that about would that be that, yeah. <laughs> we're talking about something yeah different. we are here yeah. about something that came far into the future mm. a game for the uh, Game Boy Advanced, Final Fantasy Tactics Advanced. Mm. This was originally released in Japan on February 14th, Valentine's Day of 2003. Mm -hmm. In September, on September 8th, 2003, in North America. Ooh, and, and actually, the Valentine's 24th. Day trivia thing. I read this. I read this today while I was diving mm. the wiki. Apparently, that's why in the copy of the game, if you look at the calendar, it is a pink calendar because it came out on Valentine's Day. Huh. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, fun little fact, trivia. Good to know. Mm. Unfortunately, that doesn't help uh, the PAL regions that where this game came out on October 24th of 2003. Rip. So, <laughs> rip, rip PAL in North America. But <laughs> uh, other notable releases that you may have been playing in 2003, just to kind of get your head in the mind space of the year, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic came out, the very first one, um, which was crazy. Like, that was a huge game back then. Mm-hmm. Beyond Good and Evil came out, which we're still waiting on that sequel, which was announced like four years ago or something. <laughs> Prince of Persia, Sands of Time came out. That was a lot of fun. Pre-Assassin's Creed oh, days. Wait, is that like, is this the year where all the games that we want sequels have died? Like KOTOR, Beyond Good and Evil, Prince of Persia. <laughs> yeah, Simpsons Final Fantasy Run, 10 2. Jack 2, Silent Hill. This is the forbidden year. SSX3? Yeah. Oh my god. The, yeah. 2003 was the year that games died. <laughs> if your game came yeah. out in 2003, you, it no longer exists. Whoa. I think it was all brought about due to Dead or Alive, Extreme Beach Volleyball, which also came out in 2003. The one survivor of the dark years. The ones you... The, the, it was all the, the plethora of flotation devices that that had. The That's why it survived. Exactly. It survived the flooding. It survived the flooding. But yes, we are here to talk about Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. Now, Ian, when was your first uh, kind of experience or where did you first start playing Tactics Advance? So um, I mentioned earlier that I, uh, I was a Final Fantasy offshoot kid. I was not a mainliner um, because the majority of my, you know, game playing was, you know, from the Nintendo, right? Like I, my dad was, or my parents specifically, were the stereotypical, like, jersey parents of like oh you know uh, get the nintendo for the kid even if it was like 
not any Nintendo system. That was mm-hmm. kind of my family. Um, so uh, for for holidays or whatever, for major holidays, my parents would buy us like the portable systems because there were multiple kids in the family. Um, so we, I think it was, I don't know what year it was, but I got the final, or I got the Game Boy Advanced. And one day when I was going to go to work with my dad, he worked near a t- uh, Toys R Us. And um, I just like bugged him and bugged him for a new game. I was bored just sitting at his office one day. Um, and he got me Final Fantasy Tactics Advanced. And boy, howdy, like I shut up for the rest of the month because of that game. <laughs> um, and and yeah, that was like my first time. I guess that's both the reason and the, my first time kind of playing the game mm-hmm. um, was just kind of just being forced into just shutting up while my dad got work done and then just being so engrossed into this like crazy um like narnia adjacent world um yeah and it's it's funny that i mentioned um narnia just now because like the story like i guess reading it at the time or like playing the game at the time i didn't realize the like obvious connection to narnia and like the storyline uh that is associated with it uh Mm -hmm. but like the idea of a bunch of friends reading this book, getting transported to this like different realm, like, and the realm having different rules in the real world. Like that is just, it's just Narnia, but RPG essentially. Um, yeah. And yeah, it was, it was just an awesome game. And, and I have so many fond memories of just like the stereotypical, uh, like, uh, you're playing Game Boy Advanced underneath the covers with a flashlight at like, <laughs> midnight like for context my bedtime was like Mm -hmm. definitely not midnight when i was like growing up and just like getting your parents all frustrated because you were up way later than you should have been Mm -hmm. um and there was no backlights back in the day so you were just sitting there just with a flashlight underneath the covers hoping your parents didn't hear the fucking theme music um and yeah it was it, it was just an awesome game and i have so many good memories of it of just sneaking off and playing it so yeah I shout out to kids nowadays no longer having to worry about trying to play something on a screen that doesn't have uh you know a backlight. Yeah. They have it easy. Yeah, they don't they don't they the kids easy. don't know. I'm going to be that guy when I'm older. He's like you damn kids and they're like grandpa what what happened when you were when you were a kid? Well, back in my day, you have to had to put batteries in the system. <gasps> And then also, when the batteries died, you had to make sure you had the right type of batteries or else you couldn't play the game anymore. <gasps> Grandpa, that sounds like hell. It was hell. <laughs> like, that's going to be me back in uh, when I'm oh, like yeah. 100 Hands years down. old. Hands down. Yeah. Uh, for me, I first got introduced to this. I had watched a lot of it in, um, like, Nintendo Powers. I saw it a lot in guides and, and things. And... I had played the original tactics first and really enjoyed that, but I didn't end up actually getting a copy of this for quite a while after I had borrowed a friends and tried it and everything. And wasn't, but, <clears throat> wasn't tactics the original, like, um, cause I remember like tactics ogre was like a PSP game. And then like tactics original was a different thing entirely. Like this tactics yeah, ogre was a uh, super Famicom. Oh, okay. Like the Ogre Battle and Tactics Ogre games, those all started on Super Nintendo. Mm, okay. And a Tactics Ogre came out on PlayStation. Yeah. And the producer of that went on to create ta- Final Fantasy Tactics. Mm. Ooh, speaking of producers, uh, actually, speaking of more random trivia, mm-hmm. like I've, I'm so glad that you invited me on the show because like it forced me to like no look problem. at the history of this game. Like again, one of my favorite games of all time. Mm-hmm. But like I guess you kind of especially now with like you and I, like we came out in an era, we came out like we were a video game, but like in the nineties and like that era, like the -hmm. people that were making those games are like lower level producers then are now like the God King producers now. Um, And like looking up like the uh, executive producer, Hironobu Sakaguchi, like that's, that's the God that is the final fantasy guy, right? Like, He's obviously mm-hmm. executive producer. But then as you go kind of down the production credits, you have like, you know, um, I, I saw one here. Was it uh, Yasumi Matsuno, another huge name at Square Enix? Um, and these guys, a lot of these guys that worked on this game specifically went on to make Final Fantasy twelve, which takes place in the same like fictional world. Um, yeah. Uh, which is uh, Ivalice. 
um, which is cool. And then there's another person on here that I thought was really interesting. I think it was, let me look at the name here. I'm looking for it. The quest planner, um, Katsutoyo Maihiro. Uh, this uh, creator, um, turns out, ended up becoming the quest designer that ended up saving Final Fantasy fourteen. Which I thought was very Crazy. interesting. Yeah, because they didn't come on until A Realm Reborn, mm -hmm. which was like the the start of the Final Fantasy fourteen revival period and ended up becoming um, the yeah. battle system designer and scenario writer for literally Realm Reborn, Heavensward, Stormblood, and the Shadowbringers, um, which, again, are widely regarded as some of the best RPG-like stuff in general. Um Oh, Shadowbringers last year. I haven't played through Shadowbringers yet, but um, it's regarded as like probably one of the best RPGs in like the past decade, just the storyline of it. And I can't wait to mm. dig into it. Yeah. Um, and I, I just found that so interesting, right? Is that like, I thought that, I mean, obviously the, obviously these games are all connected because they're at the same company, right? But you never think like, oh yeah, this is my favorite Final Fantasy game. This like little tiny G, um, GBA game, right? And then cut to, oh man, so this, the executive producer was the like original creator of Final Fantasy, essentially. That's why it's like, mm -hmm. it, it still holds that like, that heart, right? Then you have the the concept creator as like the guy who did um, Final Fantasy um, 12 and Vagrant Story and stuff. Then you mm -hmm. have um, the, um, the art director and the character designer behind, you know, Final Fantasy 9, 10, and, and stuff like that. And then the the reason why the story and the scenarios and the combat is designed so well is because it's the same dude that went on to be the guy that created essentially the framework for the most successful Final Fantasy to ever exist, which is the online game, which I thought was so interesting. Yeah. Uh, and just a clarification, just to correct myself, uh, the original Tactics Ogre... Uh, okay, we just never got it in the States, but it did originally come out on Super Famicom. Ah, okay. But then we ended up getting it only on PlayStation 1, which was, and that was the version that would eventually be ported or remade, remastered on the PSP. So mm, just wanted to okay. confirm. Hell yeah, dude. Hell but, yeah. But, uh, no, this is such a fun game. It was such a, it was a far more lighthearted kind of adventure, especially with the start. In the, in than, the beginning, in the beginning for sure. In the, the end, it, maybe yeah. not so much. Yeah, uh, compared to the original Final Fantasy Tactics, you start in Tactics Advance having a snowball fight, and you meet all these. You're the main characters in one world who get sucked into the world of Final Fantasy to world of Evilise. Yeah, and which again it, is like exactly like the yeah. the story of. Um, of Narnia. Narnia, yeah, like they get pulled in by the I think it's called like the Shadow Grimoire or something is the name. Uh, the Grand Grim Grimoire, um, yeah, it's so cool. It's and it it was such a good translation of a tactical RPG on the GBA. Mm. Like up until this point, uh, there were a couple that had come out already. I want to say for the GBA, so it wasn't their first. Um, foray into it because uh, tactics ogre again which the final fantasy tactics system is bait tactics series is based off of they got their own game boy advance tactics ogre game that came out in two years prior to this in 2001 mm. so they had time to refine and really nail things down so with final fantasy tactics advance it just nailed everything so so well with vivid like beautiful character sprites and tons of different classes you could be and the various races and all those races having their own individual like unique classes mm. and sprites it was i mean like literally this is a game on the gba that you could play every single every character pretty much mm -hmm. could be any class they wanted which is again a system that was then cribbed and brought into the mmo right like, if you have a mm -hmm. weapon and you use the weapon enough, you can become that class. You can learn abilities from that class and pretty much change um, as you go. Or, or you can make any character anything that they want to be. Which, like, again, this is for the GBA. And in my head, the GBA is like a kid's system, I guess. And mm -hmm. I made the joke in the beginning before the, the podcast started of like, yeah, I needed a lot more time to research than I thought. Because 
this game for being a like a what's it called a portable system game like is so intense and deep for what it is you know what i mean they crammed it full of stuff you could do because you have the the clan quest you can partner in kind of game link cable with your friend and then you could fight their party and you have all the missions and you can place things around a map like the locations on the overworld map and depending on where you place those you might get different bonuses and the story is crazy and Mm. so good yeah so good if nothing else i just want people to just go and for the love (laughs) of god play this game because it is you will be i guess like going back and playing um ff7 with mods um has been interesting for me because the mods kind of helped bring the the visual fidelity up for me um because you know ps1 uh, for for as good as it is like mm-hmm. it does kind of lose some of that luster just because of the medium right um this game looking at screenshots and video from today still looks immaculate because it's still pixel art the pixel yeah. art is like i would i would argue and i think you would be hard pressed to to fight me on this the pixel art is some of the best pixel art i've ever seen in a game and it is so detailed so refined and that makes it and we just said the gameplay systems are crazy uh complex Mm -hmm. even for a game that came out back then so like it has the makings of a game that can withstand the test of time like you could play this game right now as an adult and you'd be like damn this is it's got a lot going on for a gba game but okay like please go and play this game (laughs) (laughs) totally I, i will always say that good pixel art will always be good pixel art like high quality detailed uh sprite work and backgrounds things like that things like final fantasy tactics advanced things like final fantasy 6 or chrono trigger Mm. or symphony of the night they will always regardless of the technology look good whereas early 3d looks like blocky garbage now yeah that doesn't age well but Mm. oh good pixel art that's that's evergreen and i think people realize that a lot more now hmm. because we're seeing so many games released in that style like shovel knight like mm. oh. uh, that game's gonna be good like, forever man also, yeah <laughs> yeah like, exactly it's it's crazy because like to me like you'd be hard pressed to find another like visual medium that stands the test of time as well as pixel art and i'm like i'm Mm -hmm. racking my brain like there's like is there a music like maybe classical music or jazz or something that like no matter what time you mess with it it still is going to be just as good as when it came out like that that is why this game will forever be a good game to me like i can't think of that Mm -hmm. in any other form of medium you know what i mean It's, it's maybe comics I guess so, but like, I mean, look at like comic um, books? look at what's his name, um, Rob Liefeld. Like back in the '90s, like when Final Fantasy was coming out, Final Fantasy VII. Like Rob Liefeld was creating these crazy, massive, like muscly dudes with like crazy inking on it, and then like people look at that now and they're kind of like, oh, that's kind of like trite, like it's kind of interesting or whatever, but like not, we, it's not as good as stuff that's coming out now or whatever. Um, but like. Yeah, this this game came out at the perfect time and mm-hmm. was made by the perfect time to, I'm going to say the word time a lot, to withstand the test of time because it has the graphical fidelity of this amazing mm-hmm. um, sort of medium. It has systems that were made by some of the best systems designers of all time in terms of RPGs um, that went on to create Hallmark releases in within the same genre. Um, and yeah, like it's... The more I talk about this game, the more I'm like, this game shouldn't exist. Like it's 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 pretty crazy. So it's it's really really good. So what were some of your go to classes that you always gravitated towards, or that you had the most fun playing? So I I played this game so many times growing up. Like I I earnestly couldn't even tell you. Um, but like the for my tip or whatever that we'll get to later, I use the thief a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember using that a bunch because like they weren't broken, but like they had um, a certain ability that allowed you to steal items. 
which then allowed you to do more classes. Um, let me actually look up all the classes in there just so I can give you like more of a, mm-hmm. a direct answer. Because again, play this game when I was in middle school. Um, but yeah. what about, so when you played it, did you have a certain class for you? Well, I, I, let me flip that question back to you. I used ninjas a lot. I mean, like who with, didn't? <laughs> you know what I mean? Ninjas with their different, oh, I can't remember what term they used, but it was like their different elemental abilities um, hmm. like the earth one or the tree one would like root people in place. And I just remember wrecking dudes with an army of ninja. Mm. Basically I was Naruto. I was a hidden <laughs> leaf village before there was Naruto. So I remember using, so I'm looking at this list here, ninja definitely on there for sure. I think I made my main character a paladin because he had like the blonde mm-hmm. hair, like the white and gold armor yeah. sort of situation that like that is sticking out in my mind. I remember definitely having a Viera sniper. Um, yes. I yeah. remember having a uh, Nomu um, or Numo um, time mage for sure. Sorry, beast master, not time mage. I had a beast master for the Numo. Uh, for bongas, I definitely had the um, like the gladiator because I remember them having like the crazy mm-hmm. armor. And then for my Moogle, I had a uh, time mage, I think, and a juggler. Um, and I think that's another thing that we can talk about is that like this game more than any other game, like at least in the RPG mm-hmm. sphere for me personally, like had the most class and race diversity that like really made it um, interesting in terms of like whoever you sent out on the field, you could send out like, and you can like recruit people obviously and like get all these mm-hmm. different jobs or whatever. But every single encounter could be completely different because of the different like mixes and matches you could do and and all yeah. the different te- like you could have a team in theory of all humans if you wanted to. You could have a the- you could have a team of all Viera and then the main character. Like that was up to your discretion, and it kind of rewarded this amazing level, or it rewarded you with this amazing level of customizability mm-hmm. um, and at least to my recollection, because I beat this game when I was a kid, right? Like, I remember beating it. Yeah. Um, Like, it didn't punish you for playing any which way. It was like, hey, listen, you want to do all Vieras? All right. Just make sure you have, like, someone who can do long range and magic or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. it, and I think that, to me, really solidified back in the day the things that I now appreciate now in games. Um, You know, we talked earlier about my playing Final Fantasy VII, the thing that I love about that game is that the characters you can play in that game are vast and a lot of them are very different, right? Like even the main three mm-hmm. you get, Tifa, Barrett, and Cloud, visually very different, aesthetically very different, gameplay-wise very different. Um, and then also within that level of customizability, you can add material to them to completely change their gameplay style. And the same goes for this game. Um, so so yeah, it's just, just a lovely game, dude. It's... um. It's crazy. And this was one of the games that, like, this was the game that spawned the whole judge, like, the judge thing. Oh, my God. Where, oh, like, what a, we look back at it now and it's like, okay, cool. I mean, it would go on to being featured heavily in Final Fantasy Twelve and Tactics uh, A2. But the idea that these basically invincible referees would just spawn on their chocobos and be like can't do that Mm. and you'd get like red cards and your dudes would be sent to jail and you'd have to it was it i like them because they made you have to you would occasionally have to readjust your strategies like if you Mm have a magic heavy party and then suddenly you are in a random encounter and it's like you can't use x magic mm. or summon abilities it's like mm. crap okay how am i going to get around this yeah and like I that's the that thing like kind of forced the the new minds the new ideas mm. yeah dude that's a hundred percent like i think that um the reason why i love this game specifically, the more we're talking about it, the more I'm like getting memories of it is like you said, like there's a diegetic in-game reason for you to uh, like balance your party to do many different things, right? When you would encounter a judge that would be like, hey, no magic, enjoy. And you're like, uh, but my most powerful person's a magic person. And they're like, mm-hmm. all right, don't do it three times. Watch, watch what'll happen. 
And of course you're a kid, so you're like, whatever, I don't care. Use magic and then mm -hmm. like the judge sends your shit to another dimension and you're like, oh, but, mm -hmm. uh, uh, okay, okay. She's kidding. Yeah, like, and I think that it, it like gives you a real reason to adjust your gameplay and, and in a rewarding way, right? Because the game, we, we were talking before the show about like the game using its systems to teach you how to um, play a certain way and adjust your behavior accordingly, right? Not necessarily railroading you, but give you like, like almost like the bumpers on a, on a bowling alley, right? Like I'm going to help bounce your behavior towards these sort of situations. And then hopefully you're going to land right down the middle and get a strike, right? Like mm -hmm. it doesn't kill your character by using magic in the game. It gives you a red card and then you get booted from the, the encounter, right? But those things can be reversed. So like, it's like nudging you like, hey, bro, this encounter, get some physical people. Okay, this encounter, yeah. don't use magic people. Okay, this time, don't use summons. So it's like kind of in a way, I mean, it's perfect because this, this show is about teaching and like it's a professor sort of relationship. The game yeah. in, in universe using a character device and in-game things is like, hey, diversify your team. Make sure you can do tons of different things. It'll balance your party and then it can help you be more successful down the road and get new jobs. And like, it's as complicated as this game is, it really does teach you in a weird way. Oh yeah. It does a good job of that yeah. too. I like how there are tons of different abilities, but it's very clearly conveyed how you do it. It's like, okay, you equip a weapon and a piece of armor or a piece of gear and use it enough and you'll learn an ability and you can just keep it. Mm. It's super clear and easy to read. Uh, easy to understand i think exactly there's this is a it, it's a, this is a great game for people's kind of first forays and kind of adventures into a tactical rpg because there's a so much customization and depth to it mm. but how it's presented and how to access all those things is so well done and easy to con well like it's conveyed incredibly well so mm. it's easy for people who aren't used to the genre to pick up and understand pretty quickly okay i need to get better weapons or these weapons will give me this ability or this ability mm. which is to be assumed because again it's a portable system yeah. like the, um, the game boy advanced was huge in japan as it was in america as well so the assumption is, is that yeah there's gonna be hella people buying this game and maybe don't know that much about um don't know that much about rpgs so you have to have systems that explain as best as they can um how to engage with these things that you've developed you know yeah uh speaking a bit of the story uh we haven't really we've briefly touched on it but i love the dichotomy of you get to see kind of characters in the real world and how different they can turn out in the world of Ibelis. Um, uh Mute's father, for instance, like he's kind of a, not deadbeat, but he's kind of like a chill dude in the real world. And then he's like the judge magister in, in, yeah. in the game world. And that, and just, uh, I'm sure this is brought up on other Final Fantasy episodes or whatever, but um, there's like, there's consistencies within every Final Fantasy game. Um, there's like always going to be certain summons. There's always going to be certain mechanics that were going to be there. Um, <clears throat> but one interesting um, thing is that Mute's father is Sid, is the Sid of this mm -hmm. universe. Um, and ironically enough, like in the real world, he kind of is like not in line with how we usually see Sid. Um, Sid being like this, like uh, no nonsense sort of like mechanic mm -hmm. and like go-getter sort of guy. Um in the real world, he's kind of like, like you said, like a deadbeat dad or whatever, um, kind of chill guy. Uh, but then in the the game, he's, like you said, the judge magister, like this high-ranking person using his go-getter attitude, like he has a position of power. Um, mm -hmm. And it's... I'm going to see if I can get to the end of this idea in my head. Um, so video games, in a lot of ways, are about wish fulfillment, right? And yeah. wish fulfillment is a, a form of fantasy, um, right. And it's interesting to kind of have this scenario in which 
you have kids, right? And kids use imagination as a way to have their form of like real world wish fulfillment while they're playing with one another, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And as you get older, you kind of lose that, right? Um, So it's interesting to see a game that's called Final Fantasy about kids that enter into this dreamlike world, this fantasy world where they have almost the opposite of their wish fulfillment because they get thrown into a life of like high responsibility, like grim mortality. Um, And then the person who does have their wish fulfilled in this fantasy world that should be designed specifically for kids is the one adult that you see from the real world, which is Sid. Um, And it's this weird thing where again i promise the idea is coming at the, like the thesis statement is coming at the end of <laughs> this, i promise you're good um it's interesting because we see the characters at the beginning of the of the game in the snowball fight and right and we've just played it out earlier where like some of the characters are very meek and not confident and some of the characters are very aggressive and combative and you know they have these flaws about them and we already mentioned that sid the father's kind of this deadbeat sort of dad cut to the end of the game where going through this sort of fantasy wish fulfillment world, the kids leave that scenario with a level of like self-understanding and the adults leave that, that world with a level of hope and like kind of what the kids had. It's like almost like this weird emotional exchange across generations Mm -hmm. using this like fantasy world. And it's, it's just, it's, it's just an interesting um, story. Like it's not a super deep, like, um, uh, I don't know, like this person's a clone and this person's a clone of that clone and they died this time or whatever. Like, it's not like hard to follow, but it's like, it's kind of like, you know, Avatar, the last airbender or like, you know, stories like that, or even like the lion, the witch in the wardrobe, right? Mm-hmm. Like these stories that are designed for kids, um, in a lot of ways, um, that talk about the loss of innocence and, and taking responsibility, um, that end up being these resonant stories that can be very deep and you know touch us at you know almost all walks of life you know so it's just a it's a very mm-hmm. interesting sort of story yeah it's uh man such a such a good game Same. yeah i agree <laughs> just, i agree um was there any particular level or story beat that particularly resonated with you um that you remember um let me think about that for a second but i do have one in my head but while i just read something on the wiki that made me think about something about what we just talked about the um the whole like meta theme we'll call it or whatever um it's interesting Mm -hmm. that there are a bunch of these kids right who are in this fantasy world as well and the only air quotes adults that we really interact with or the one adult from the real world that we interact with is in a position of power and it's called the judge, right? Like there is mm-hmm. an external force that represents judgment. Um, and, you know, you can interpret judgment as like, you know, authority or whatever. But like, I think it's interesting to view it as like this interpretation of like people judging you, right? Like a thing that you essentially need to overcome and um, sort of be flexible with, right? So it's like, it's, mm-hmm. if we're thinking, and I might be overthinking this, but whatever. Um, when you become an adult, when you like lose your innocence, you become a teen and like grow up, you have to learn that people's, people judging you is going to happen no matter what, kind of like in the game, there will always be judges affecting your behavior. And it's your duty as a functioning person to be flexible and to, you know, learn to succeed in spite of judgment, not failed because of it and that's kind of like we just described right like the in-game reason is you have to have a balanced party but like the meta reasoning is like hey when you're a kid and you're growing up you have to be flexible you have to adjust and grow based off of the Mm -hmm. the different challenges you're given in your life damn this game is deep as hell yeah (laughs) wow shout out to you final fantasy yeah uh my big thing is i love the dynamic between marsh and his brother donned mm. Mm. um just that the the back and forth with how throughout the entire game is like donned or dunned 
I don't. I say Don. I said to Doned when I was a kid, or Doned or whatever. Do- I don't. It doesn't matter. It's. <laughs> uh. Let's see, Donedo. So yes, I think, yeah, Doned, I think yeah. it's more. Uh, Doned, he. For those of you that haven't played it, he's Marsha's younger brother, and he's confined to a wheelchair mm. in the real world. Mm. And when he gets sucked into Ivelisse, he can walk and and do things again. And you, he makes a point to try and sabotage and stop Marsh from finding a way back home throughout the course of Tactics Advanced. Mm. And this back and forth on him not wanting to go back and March wanting to. And then there's a, uh, a really powerful scene where Marsh confronts him that Marsh feels that Donna has really gotten a lot of the attention from his parents, specifically his mom, and mm. that he never felt that connection with his parents. Like Donna has because he's in the wheelchair and it's like he's it's something that he's always wanted to feel like that preferential treatment mm. um and just be treated equally and mm. just that back and forth and that kind of turning donna making him understand and then I, that i thought was really powerful yeah um and just kind of the the clashes between brothers yeah and like to to piggyback off of that i would agree that like i think thinking back my favorite thing is that same sort of dichotomy um and Mm -hmm. you know we were talking earlier before the i'm referencing our conversation before the podcast but sorry guys i keep doing it but um the the conversation we had earlier right um was talking about story and like story being resonant or whatever and i recently have been making a bunch of like tabletop rpg campaigns and and stuff like that in my spare time and you know through that process i've been looking up um you know, like what makes a resonating story, what makes a good story or a good uh, conflict, I guess we'll say. Um, and the one lesson that I've learned about writing conflict is that conflict is its most resonant and its best in a, in a story when both parties are correct. So mm-hmm. um, Marsh being like, hey, we need to go back home and we need to figure out what's going on because even though we're powerful here or whatever, we don't belong here. This is not where we live. Our parents aren't here. Our family isn't here. Um, and then his brother being like, okay, yeah, but I can walk here. I can cast magic here. I can do things here. I have agency here that I didn't have in the other world. Both parties are right, right? Like Marsh being like, Hey, this is not real. And if it is real, it's definitely not where we're from. And it's kind of dark and intense or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then Donna being like, yeah, I don't want to go back. Sorry. Mm -hmm. This is, I have way more stuff that I can do here and I feel better here. Like both people yeah. are right in that scenario and you couldn't argue either character because mm-hmm. they're both equally right. Like, you know what I mean? And, and that's the, that builds good conflict, I think. And that like, even yeah. just giving you that dichotomy right now, like even as an adult, I'm sitting here, I'm like, damn, I can't, I can't knock the kid for wanting to stay here. Like, yeah. but like if I return back to the real world without my younger brother, I'm fucking dead. So I got, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's, it's really is like this catch 22 where both characters kind of, um, lose out in the end if you know they both want what they or if they both get mm-hmm. what they want in this weird way. Um, and it's 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 just interesting. Even now as an adult, like thinking about that dichotomy, I don't know what I would choose. Um, so it's it's hard. So it means it yeah. was good writing. So yeah, yeah, it's uh it's meaningful for sure. And when you and you could have a conversation with your friends, and one person will say, "Nah, Donald's Donald's got it." got it down he knows what's up and then other people could very easily say no nah, i see march's side i want to so i mean also like in this world there's like magical healing right yeah so like yeah like in a weird especially now in the times that we're at now like in my head i'm like yeah i would like a magical healing world sure yeah um like, i wouldn't mind a, a suna you know exactly yeah. right like and also what like just to think about that like whether they think that the, this world is real, like air quotes, real, real or not, like the fact that they are like there and it's not like this shared disillusion or something like th- that means that in the canon of their real world, gods are real. So like, I don't even know if I could return mm-hmm. to a world where like magic isn't real after after using magic. You know what I mean? Like that's like if we're thinking yeah. about the um, 
the psychological. It's like Full Metal Alchemist. It is. It is the movie full where metal. Ed goes to the our world. Yeah, he goes to Germany at the very end or whatever. Like I, I don't like if this was me as an adult. Like these kids are twelve, right? Mm-hmm. So like their logic. While yes, the the question itself is deep. Their logic is is maybe not as so. Um, like. Me as an adult going to this Final Fantasy world, if I could do healing magic and fire shit, I'd be like, yeah, no, I'm not going back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm definitely yeah. staying here, bro. Like, there's no way. I don't care about, like, the ongoing civil war. Uh, because, like, at least in this world, there's, there's like, mm-hmm. different energies and stuff that we can deal with. Like, okay, the car and TV and radio versus summoning a giant eternal god. Uh... And chocobos. And giant, yeah, and the chickens. You love the chickens. Um, Gotta love the chickens. But, but yeah, like, it's it's just, it's interesting. And uh, the questions posed in this game are, are very difficult. And it's, they're adult questions that are, that are mm-hmm. being uh, answered by kids. So, yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. We aren't the only ones that really like Final Fantasy. <laughs> We aren't the only ones that really like Final Fantasy Tactics Advanced, so now it's time to go around the web. We start off our submissions this week from user Cry of the Planet from Reddit. Easily the back and forth monster hunting stuff with your party. By that I mean having a Beastmaster control monsters to use specific abilities that your blue mage learns, then having your hunter capture them so you can steal their soul for your morpher to use, and feeding them in captivity until your morpher wrecks face. That was pretty fun. Hmm. Yeah, I, I like that. This, that was like the whole explanation. That was pretty fun. Like I, that was yeah. such a sweet ending of that comment. I like. I I could just picture like it's starting off nice and bright, and then as it goes into like, oh, the beast master controls the monsters to use specific abilities. Like he just starts like getting like zooming in on the face and the background getting darker and darker, and then. Feeding them in captivity into the more for Rex's face, you know. Mm. It's like, and then just zooming back out. I was like, yeah, that's for that. Was pretty fun. Uh, that, was, that was cool, man. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I that that was one thing we didn't quite touch on when we were talking about the character classes is this um, connection, not connection, but the tactical idea, like the things you could do by taking advantage of multiple classes, mm. like how one could help the other and and all this stuff like like the beastmaster controlling to use the abilities for your blue mage mm. that almost symbiotic relationship you could have between different classes and their abilities mm. it, it's funny again we talked about persona 5 earlier and talking about like how classes interact with the world around them and i feel like now especially um rpgs are designed with uh, they're designed, um, how can I describe this, in one way, right? So like, okay, I'm a healer and I can heal. I, I do thing one way towards my party, right? I'm a damage dealer. I do damage one way to my dam- to the things I'm doing damage to or whatever. It's very rare in, I feel like, Final Fan or in any RPG system where you have almost like this octagonal relationship like we just described, mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, I'm the healer and I can heal. I heal the fighters so that the fighter can do this. The fighter can can tank so that the the, the thief can mm-hmm. steal. And then when we steal, we can get new classes. And then those classes can capture monsters who can then feed them to the morpher, who can then feed them to... like It's, like, again, like this giant sort of circle of these different things in which you can interact in non-combat scenarios to help you uh down the road um which i think is again just makes this game so deep in the level of Mm -hmm. actions that you can do in the world like it's like it's crazy to me that i played this game in middle school like that's probably why i'm not smart now is because i used all my iq back when i was in middle school playing this game (laughs) i think the in general the best rpgs are the ones with a job system Mm. I love job systems in my RPGs. Mm. Whether it's Final Fantasy V, the Tactics games, Tactics Ogre, the Bravely Default games. Like, if you have a good job system that you can just swap between classes for your characters, it adds so much replayability and kind of added depth. I love it. Mm. 
I mean, even I beyond that. that though, like we, the job system is one thing, but then like the, how the jobs interact, what we just said, I feel like is even more important yeah. and how jobs interact with getting you new jobs. Like I, I, mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about it in my tip here, but like there are jobs that essentially have a dedicated ability at getting you abilities from other jobs and getting you items to get you new jobs. Like it's, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Want to take the next one? Oh yeah, of course, of course, of course. Okay, the next one is from the user uh, Gravel Voice Cat Pupils from Reddit. Thank you so much for giving us a little comment, dude. Uh, it's been a while, but I played this a ton when I was younger. It blew my mind because it was the first strategy RPG I ever played. I don't know if there was anything in particular that stood out because I loved pretty much the whole experience back then. Imagine, you're in your early teens and you play this game in a genre that is brand new to you with a ridiculous amount of content. And there are so many quests, weapons, armor, abilities, jobs, races. It was just a mind-blowing experience. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much what yeah, we talked about. Yeah, can you imagine that, Ian? Yeah, can I you can, imagine that? Because that's what I, that was me. <laughs> this is my account. I'm Gravel Voice Cat Pupils, guys. Um, no, definitely not. But yes, that is, I felt the exact same way. And like me and Gravel Voice Cat Pupils uh, went through the exact same thing. Um, and yeah, like again, I, I played Pokemon before this, like I knew about RPGs, but bro, this was a whole nother level that I was, um, that I wasn't ready for, but I'm glad that I jumped into it. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, it was dope. So shout out to you, Gravel. I'm curious, have you gone and played Tactics A2 or the original? No, <laughs> the original I was like, Tactics? N- no, I, um, I know they existed and like back during the college emulator days, I was like, yeah, maybe I'll jump into this. And then I just ended up playing Tactics Advance again. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, this, this game not only has a special place in my heart just because, uh, like I just, it's like unique, I think to me. You know what I mean? Like there's something about mm-hmm. this game specifically that I have like good attachment towards that I, I don't know I necessarily have for the Tactics games at large, but just this game particularly, mm-hmm. you know? Cool, cool. Yeah. Ne- Next up, we have user Bandito2463 from Reddit. <laughs> My favorite feeling was probably that yes, finally feeling. When I got a- past a few battles that had been destroying me, getting one of the harder classes, and whenever I beat and got a new Totema to use for a race. Mm. Yeah, the- oh. finally beating a difficult level in one of these games, like a tactics or. RPG, so rewarding, so rewarding, and unlocking the heart classes and everything like that. It's, yeah, I can relate. Like, we talk about like games not having enough content back in the day or now, but like, bro, like playing Final Fantasy games, like you can tell that every Final Fantasy game, they're like, hey, here's like 60 hours of content, and if you really want to play, here's 300 hours of content, and like mm-hmm. this game definitely has that philosophy. Um, where like, again, like we just described, um, like getting a new job, like sometimes that can take crazy amounts of time, like getting, um, new, uh, totemas, crazy amounts of time. Like it's, it's, it's just awesome. Like this game has so much that you can do. And if you love it, there's so much for you to kind of chomp into. Want to take the last? Oh, last I one? always forget. I my I am just I'm a dingus, <laughs> dude. Um, if you're listening, Radinax, this one's for you. So this is Radinax from Reddit. Thank you so much for the comment. Appreciate you. Amazing. I actually started my love for Final Fantasy Tactics series with this one. When I was a kid, I was hella confused about the PS1 release of FFT and got bored out of it. But after FFTA, Final Fantasy Tactics Advanced, I went back and loved it. Then got it back for the PSP and it turned out to be one of my favorite games of all time with a revolutionary story. It has everything you want. The class system is fantastic and the story is forgettable, but it has a lot of little things that makes for an amazing experience. Um, Yeah, dude, shout out to Ratnex for that comment. And I agree, like this game is so complex that it really can be a detractor if you play it like by itself. like. I can only imagine playing this on the PS1 the or the Tactics original one um, and getting kind of overwhelmed. But I think that like the the fact that it was on the Game Boy Advance definitely gave it like a 
what's the word? Like a more inviting feel, if that makes any sense. Like mm -hmm. it wasn't as daunting. And I'm like, oh, if I don't want to play anymore, it's fine. This is a Game Boy game. It's whatever. Like I think mm -hmm. that, that the medium that it was existing on definitely lent itself to being more approachable. Yeah. Let's say everything we have told you has made you hankering for some Ivalice action with Tactics Advance, and you're wondering, hey, Ian, hey, Scott, where can I get this game? Well, we have the hookup for you. You can still... So the prices for this game is actually still pretty cheap to get for the U.S. version that we're going to be going on. Loose price for the cart, you're looking at about 17 bucks. So it's it for a Game Boy Advance game, it's a little pricey, but it's still fairly manageable for the loose cart. Uh, complete in box price, you're looking at closer to around fifty bucks. And if you want, still brand new, if you can find it, uh, that'll put you up around the seventy dollar range. Um, these prices are currently uh, all these prices come from PriceCharting.com um, that I'm looking at right now as at at, at the time of recording, mm. but. If you still happen to have your Wii U, though, you, this is actually on the Wii U Virtual eShop where you can get it for $8. It's an absolute steal. Ooh, um, I know. At, yeah, $8 on the Wii U. Mm -hmm. uh, it's granted, I would probably act sooner rather than later because Nintendo has already announced that they're going to be shutting down the eShop services for the Wii U in some territories. I believe it's Latin America. How dare you. Uh, and like Brazil no. in the next few months so if you're or something. A if you're a Brazilian homie, get on that right now. But exactly. So I would do it sooner rather than later. But even if you can't try and snag it on the Game Boy Advance, this it's this game has not been ported elsewhere. So it's either Game Boy Advance or the Wii U eShop, or Bust. So, check that out. Now, let's say you've gotten yourself a copy, whether it's on the Wii U eShop, or a Game Boy Advance card, or some other nefarious method, and you're a <laughs> bit overwhelmed, and you'd like some tips. Well, we got you hooked up for that as well. Ian, what would be your advice for brand new players to the game? All right, so, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be like the teacher that takes the chair and then flips it around, and then sits in it the wrong way. And I'm like, let me rap with you for a second. I'm going to be honest okay, with you. Okay, question. Yes. Are you sitting in it? Have you ever watched Star Trek The Next Generation? No. Okay, never mind. You won't get this. Uh, have you watched uh, Saved by the then? Bell? I have. So you know when AC but... Slater turns the chair around? And he's like... Oh, I do. I was going to say yeah. the Riker maneuver. How he sits in a chair. How he like lifts his leg over the back of the chair. And then sits down. Oh, no, reverse no, no. style. No, no, no. I do okay. it the AC Slater way. Where I like rip it from another yeah. part of the chair. And I'm like, let me talk with you. And I'm wearing like the tank top or whatever. So just imagine nice. AC Slater. Uh, AKA, what's his name in real life? Mario. Not. It's like something Rivera, right? Um, Lopez. It's the way no, Mario Lopez. Lopez. That's what it is. There you go. I think so. Um, yeah, so it's Mario Lopez. Imagine Mario Lopez is telling you this. So I haven't played this game in a long time. So I couldn't give you any personal tips, but I did scour the internet for a couple of YouTube videos and a couple of different Reddit guides or whatever. And the advice that was given to me is that when you're trying to start this game off, get the uh, thief ability steal as early as humanly possible. The reason why, with the ability steal, you can steal weapons, but you can also steal abilities as well. Um, so let me explain. The thief ability, you can steal weapons, which can get you new jobs, right? But there are also some advanced jobs that you fight early on that you can't get until much, much later. But if you steal enough of their abilities, you essentially are that class. So it's completely fine. Um, and the only caveat is, is that the steal um, power um, has a very low hit rate. It's like 16%. But with paired with other abilities like sleep and paralysis and whatever, it jumps up to 100%. So go into battle, um, 
have someone on your party put someone to sleep, steal their weapons, steal their abilities, and then just leave the battle, then start it over again. And eventually you could have enough weapons and enough abilities for your entire party to be super stacked up early on and makes the game much easier. Um, so that is my advice for you. Then I put the chair back where it's supposed to be. And then I go back to where I'm sitting. Nice. And I grab the chair that he had just put back, <laughs> pull it forward, and then do the Riker maneuver, sweeping my leg over the top of the back of the chair and then sitting down. Uh, kind of playing off of what Ian said, but this is more in shops and whatnot. Uh, be sure to check for new weapons and armor in shop and various items because those are how you learn your abilities. These teach you the new skills for your characters, which will also help unlock uh, new jobs, etc., and don't be afraid to bounce between classes. Like, change your character's classes, try things out, figure out these kind of synergistic role uh, combinations uh, that we kind of talked about earlier and that the Reddit user mentioned as well. And just have fun. Like, n figure out your style and then just run with it. There's no wrong combination. Just have fun. Exactly. We are on to one of my favorite parts of each episode, the enemy or monster of the week. Ian, what enemy are you bringing us today for the monster of the week? So, I mean, I guess this is technically a monster, but not really. I mean, you fight it. So um, for any of the purists out there, I apologize if this does not fit the criterion. Um, so, yeah, so my favorite enemies in this game are the Totema Guardians. Um, so a little bit of backstory with them. Uh, they're primal spirits for each of the races that occupy Ivalice. Uh, they are some of the coolest designed characters in, I would argue, any Final Fantasy game. And the art behind them, not only the pixel art, but also the art, like the original art of them, is just, uh, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, and they really do bring a sense of awe to the game. Um, but above all else, uh, Famfrit, the totem of the Moogles, takes the cake for my favorite monster of the week. Um, and I think it's so funny because uh, usually, like, the Moogles are, like, these goofy little, like, joke characters, right? Like, if we think of Persona, they're, like, the talking mascot character or whatever. Um, but then you cut to, like, this primal god that is associated with them. And, like, it's this giant, like, armored like beast character like i can't even describe it uh it's like this hulking like imagine it's like a hundred foot dude in like guardian plate armor or sorry in um yeah in like plate armor like alphonse or something with a giant cannon on its head wrapped in chains with like this sp it, looks, it looks almost like a vase or a vase or something it is it's like a jug it's so rad um and then you'd think like oh man this is like a berserker or something uh no it uses time magic which is like so so cool like i i can't even imagine like just fighting this thing like this hundred foot tall demon voss with chains that can slow down time like just the awe that this character kind of inspires i think is the reason why i chose it um and like the it feels so out of left field being associated with the um, with the Moogles, you know, of all people. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's my um, my little monster of the day. So cool. When you have, when you attempt Famfrit, he'll be accompanied by two float eyes and two Arimans. He's got a move rate of three, a jump rate of two, and a thirty percent evade rate. He has some amazing growth stats, uh, growth potential. Uh, he ranks S plus in his HP growth, B plus in MP, attack is S plus, defense is also S plus, magic power has a growth of A, magic resistance S plus, but he is a slow boy with a D. So, uh, abilities you can expect him to use are X pulse, mage storm, reaction, and uh, reaction, which is kind of like a counter skill. Hmm. So watch out for that. And uh, get yourself some uh, Famfreet action for your Moogle Bros. Nice. So, you summon our good, good lad Famfreet. Yeah, yeah. I think this was his first appearance as well. I can't remember if he was in Original Tactics, but then he would go on to appear in uh, in Twelve. Ooh, so Famfreet represents the final. F oh, and then also I think the cool thing is again I'm not a huge Final Fantasy guy, uh, mm. but apparently each of these bosses represents another boss um from other final fantasies um 
because in the world of Tactics Advance, Final Fantasy is a real property, like they, mm -hmm. which is which is also goofy as hell, because they they acknowledge that people are playing Final Fantasy in the game Final Fantasy, which is is insane actually. Super meta. Yeah, it's Super it's meta. great. It's great. Um, so apparently, Famfrit um represents the Final Fantasy three final boss, the Cloud of Darkness. Apparently, um. Yeah, which is interesting. And then um, we didn't talk about them, but there are the other totems represent uh, other um, di different bosses. Like for example, Ultima, the totem of the Numo that represents the um, the original Final Fantasy um, Ultima. Um, uh, Adremelec represents the um, Final Fantasy Tactics version of Adremelec. Uh, Exodus is X Death represented. Um, so, something from Final Fantasy V, um, and then uh, Mateos, mm -hmm. the human race sum a summon, is from Final Fantasy II, which I thought was interesting as I was doing research for the game. That like, it's like it is like a mashup CD essentially, you know. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. That is going to do it for another episode of RPG University. Ian, thank you so much for taking some time to come and nerd out about Tactics Advance with me today. Of course, bro. Thanks for having me, man. Again, I don't really think of this game that often. So the fact that I was kind of asked to be on here and really just dive deep on this game that I have so much like fond memories of, it was it was an honor, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, glad, glad to hang out with you and chit-chat a bit. Mm. So what do you, uh, we mentioned at the start of the show, you are a member of OK Beast, but feel free to plug away anything you want. Here's uh, here's your soapbox. Awesome. Thank you. Well, uh, I've been talking a whole bunch about Final Fantasy VII. I'm streaming that over on my Twitch channel. That's twitch.tv slash not. That's a personal thing. You can follow me on the same socials on Twitter. That is twitter.com slash Ian, why not? Um, I also, as uh, Scott mentioned earlier, the way that Scott and I know each other is uh, we both are video editors and and participants in the good old content creation wheel. Uh, I do video editing and podcasting over at a site called OK Beast. Uh, you can follow us at um, on our actual website, which is okbeast.com. Uh, the Twitter account is twitter.com slash okbeastnow. Um, and... Yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah, like if you like watching RPG stuff and talking about RPGs, I'm playing Final Fantasy VII for the first time. Everything is completely new to me. So if you're curious about that, go and check that out. Hell yeah. And the first time, funny story, and the first time Ian and I met, we were rooming together in a Airbnb for PAX mm, West yeah. 2018, I want to say. Mm. And we were staying in a place where the brother had his brother's ashes yeah, in one haunted. of the bedrooms. Yeah, very haunted. We were in a very spooky haunted cool. room. Yeah, shout out to that ghost. Yeah, man. Shout out I to... I hope you're uh, listening. I hope person. you're listening, ghost. <laughs> shout out to uh, you and your brother's ashes. <laughs> ashes. <laughs> but once again, thank you so much, Ian, for coming on. This has been a lot of fun. And thank you to everyone who is still listening here to the end. You've returned light to the crystals and unlocked a new job class. Be sure to rate and review us on your preferred podcast service as each rating and review you leave will cause a leaf on the mana tree to bloom and help restore balance, saving the world. Plus, I just really appreciate it. If you have an RPG you would like us to talk about or would like to be a guest on RPG University, tweet at IrrationalPod with the hashtag RPGU with what you would like to talk about, and we'll see what we can do. Until next time, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, and until next time, class dismissed.